hey, this is Callum Bowman and you're listening to the Chanter Rant podcast. You can subscribe to the patreon.com forward slash Chanter Rant for to be part of this insanely funny and informative program. Josh, <laughs> do, you, do you know what you know? What really uh, crosses my fucking minch? What's that, Josh? It's when I have a concert in uh, what uh, ten hours? Oh, let, less less than that, maybe. Well, I don't know. I, I got a concert in just a, in just a hot minute. I still have to finish ninety percent of the video content, <laughs> of course, including the slideshow as is tradition. Um, entertain two very handsome and fun guests. And the person who is my pipe major, who's supposed to be helping me out with this thing, is sicker than a fucking dog. Uh, and essentially, For, essentially, all week. Yeah, essentially, sounds like a person whose vocal cords got sucked out into space through a fucking <laughs> airlock. I had way too, too much dilly down my throat this week, if you know what I mean. Uh, speaking of which, uh, hello, my name is Josh. With me, as always, is my good bearded co-host, who sounds like a goddamn <laughs> fire fire victim. Uh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you couldn't tell by the intro, this is an explicit show. You get five seconds list something else. Five, four, three, two, one. Fuck. Go fuck yourself. Hey, I'm Josh. Welcome to Chan Rain Podcast. Listeners can review the show on iTunes. You can hey, send wait, us emails. Fuck. You can send us emails and voicemails. We play it on air. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube. Check out the Chan Rain store at ChanRant.com. This episode is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com slash Rant. And last but not least, invite and share with your friends. Fusco. Yes, Josh. With your uh, <laughs> with your dulcet tones, yes, would you like to introduce our two guests? I would love to. So first to my left, uh, the legendary, we've had him on the show before. Well, actually, we've had both these gentlemen on the show before, but he's a longtime friend of mine. Used to be a douche. Now I like him. His name is Andrew Hoyne. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Cobra. Known as to the audience as Cobra, yeah. 
And then to his left is uh, the man, the myth, the legend, um, the brother of James Beaumont, <laughs> Callum. It's a great claim to fame. <laughs> Callum, good to have you on the show, brother. Nice uh, to see you. Nice good to have you guys in person. We've had you both kind of over the phone, but having you here in the very advanced Channerant Studios is uh, it's an incredible accomplishment. I yeah. feel like. and that, this is how we know we've made it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're, they, we're legit now. We've had Jack Lee. We've had people who aren't as famous as Jack Lee, like these two. <laughs> so we've really done well. I, I guess, yeah. Stuart Little and Richard Parks, uh, episode 100. <laughs> there we go. If we can get McWhorter, we're done. So, so gentlemen, wrap it up. before we get any nonsense, uh, uh, Hoinicky, you just got in tonight. So I'm interested to hear some things from you. But Callum, you got in on Thursday, which was our Thanksgiving uh, what were your thoughts on flying in for your first ever American Thanksgiving in the most redneck part of Las Vegas? And first ever Vegas trip. Oh, yeah, it was your first was, Vegas trip yeah. as well. New to the area. It was great. Fantastic. Yeah. A good meal last night at your house. Uh, fantastic. Came, yeah, absolutely. Came over to the folks place. Uh, got to watch us all consume copious amounts of turkey and whiskey. Yeah. And you got to fly into Vegas. How was that experience? It was wet. I actually brought the they brought the weather with me. <laughs> it was pouring rain when we got here. <laughs> no, I, I completely cloudy as I, foggy com- as hell. Completely blame Callum for the shit weather yesterday. He brought yeah. the Scottish just like just like when we went to Northern Ireland. It was hot. It was nice the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No, but I was actually excited to show you the place. Like, hey, we're gonna drive down the strip and see all the cool shit, and you couldn't see fucking anything. It was terrible. No, it was a mess. But. Yeah, well. how, how about today? Like you got a chance to tour around the, the strip a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I, I was a tourist today, which yeah. is nice. Not always doesn't always happen on the trip, but uh, yeah, got a, a, a walk down the, the strip, which is good. Yeah, went to Bellagio, uh, Caesar's Palace, all the, the Hangover hangouts. <laughs> it was good. What is your impression of like what you expected Vegas to be versus what you've seen so far? That sort of yeah, thing? it's pretty mental. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's an accurate description. <laughs> Mental. Busy. H- how so? Busy. Um, yeah. Frantic. Uh, full of tourists. Some weird and wonderful creatures on the street. It was good. <laughs> For and sure. Then, and then, of course, uh, I, I caught these guys in the afternoon. Had to take them to the unofficial bagpipe bar. Well, not the official bagpipe bar, really, of Las Vegas. Frankie's Tiki Lounge. Yeah, that's that's a staple for sure. Uh, where we had some strong cocktails. Yeah, it was a very strong cocktail. What did they sample? Did they actually get tiki drinks? Uh, so me and me and Cobra got zombies. Okay, good. Uh, Callum is a no cocktail guy. Uh, in in one mouth, out the same mouth. Very shortly, I'm told. Is that so true? Uh, so he had a he had a beer. Just reminds me, my video was watching earlier. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> um, what video was that? <laughs> But uh, no, he had a, he had a hot box IPA from a local you know no, uh, local brewery, and he's he's like it's fucking eight percent this beer. And I was like, yeah, it's a it's a local IPA, man. <laughs> Rules don't exist out here. So uh, so Cobra, you flew in today. Um, you're you're no stranger. No, to, to I've, the uh, Vegas scene. I've been here uh, since the band that shall not be named has a different name. Mm-hmm. Fair play. Yeah. So so have we. <laughs> I know. I remember you when you were probably maybe a what eleven, twelve, and still had a humongous cock. Long flowing locks of. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I know. We went to yeah, went to Frankie's. Went to Cornish, which is where the after party will be. I I 
was trying. I was thinking about taking them somewhere that was different than where they're going to be tomorrow night. But yeah, I was but like, I was like, yeah, hey, this time you'll actually get to just hang out and enjoy it. And they need like some meat too. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they, they, yeah, they were hungry and it's good food. Good grub there. Yeah. Good game of pool as well. Don't forget that. But oh yeah. Well, we, none of my games were good. We I do mean, need to discuss that. All all of Callum's <laughs> games. Were all good. of Callum's no, no, games. No, 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 no. Except one. Except, except one. Well, the last one. Yeah. And then we quit because why? Because I'm the champion and I will never play again. Because you because you beat Callum. My claim to fame is that I beat Callum in pool one time. He beat me the first time, but I beat him the second time, mm-hmm. and I will uh, never play him again. I will go down with that, and my my gravestone will say. <laughs> Andy, here lies Andy Fusco. He beat Callum Beaumont. No context. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. We're not going to say what he beat him at. <laughs> people, people can infer the meaning to themselves, but uh, <laughs> so um, uh, real quick, we have a couple emails. I feel like we should get through the yeah, we should get through we should get through the nonsense early on because we gotta we gotta do a we show. We gotta get to the bigger nonsense. We gotta do a show. We gotta entertain, and then you know we we all gotta play tomorrow. So uh, I mean, I've already succumbed to the fact that I'm gonna be tired and hungover. You might as well just accept it. If you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so our our first email that we have uh, right here is from Sue Fusco. You mind getting that one? Sure. It says, Dear Josh and Andy, who knew Janaret <laughs> could be so educational? Just finished listening to your show with Megan, and I had no idea that audio equipment will get drowned in a massive rainstorm. I feel so very educated now. Thank you for your public service to the piping community. It is remarkable how useful the content from this episode will be to me going forward. Hugs and kisses, your dojo pal, Sue. P.S. I'm going to have to erase the browsing history of my computer after that show. I imagine because she had to look up what sounding rod. What sounding was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Did you guys, did you guys did you listen, listen to that there, episode? There were so many cringeworthy moments in the Dominatrix episode. I was I was out running errands when I was listening to that show. <laughs> Hopefully, and, with it playing loudly on a yeah, just on the you know the sound system in the car, and there were so many moments where I went. <sighs> <laughs> Dude, you weren't in the room. Oh, Oh, my God. Well, then I saw the photos and the the footage on Instagram and some of that other stuff. Yeah, Uh, it was. It it uh, brought life to exactly what I thought was happening. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. Wow. So, Cal knows none of what we're talking about. No, I don't know. I haven't seen (laughs) it yet, unfortunately. A couple episodes ago, we had a dominatrix on. You know know what that is, yeah? Mm -hmm. To discuss sort of the life of a dominatrix in Las Vegas. And she brought, like... A well, you saw the video of me playing. She put that mask on me. Mm-hmm. Oh, she, she brought, brought, she brought a stuff. lot of tools. Yeah, she and brought a lot of tools to show us, uh, show <laughs> us the tools of her trade, as you were. <laughs> we got to get a Callum Beaumont reaction to what a sounding rod is. What a sounding rod is. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine a metal rod. Wait, let me take my headphones off. Of different, <laughs> of different, differing diameters that are uh, pushed down your pee hole. Oh my god! To stretch it out. To stretch it out, and that's what a sounding rod is. Yeah, and people pay for that, which I didn't know. I, I can't imagine. I didn't know until that episode. So you know, no, yeah, Channerant podcast. It's a learning experience for all. Just going to educate the greater piping community to what is out there. What's out? <laughs> what are your options? What are, yeah, out there? what's yeah. available? What's available to you? <laughs> um, okay, so we have another email. This is from. Uh, you can Ian. take this one. It's a longer one. Uh, Ian says, "Howdy, fuckers." A serious email for a change as the just try philosophy for tuning hit home for me and sent me down memory lane. I started out my piping career as a kid, learning from someone who was quite happy to tune my drones for me or just turn them off entirely rather than deal with them at all. 
I played one year of grade four solos and did so well that I went back for a second season at that level. My teacher suggested to my dad that maybe I had peaked. Hoping I was capable of more with a teacher who hadn't already decided I sucked, my dad took me to a local grade one pipe major uh, and world-renowned hard-ass a few weeks later. My first lesson with him started something like this. Teacher. Okay, tune him up. Me. I'm what? Teacher. You heard me. Me. But I don't know how. <laughs> teacher. Try. What's the worst that can happen? So I did, and it changed everything. Sometimes we just need a nudge. Sink or swim. In. This goes back to last week's episode where we talked about tuning and how you should kind of have to learn it's how to do the it. Try, it. It goes back to try the week, tuning, keep going, et cetera, et cetera. There's yeah. a lot of things it hits here, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, at the end of the day, and, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it goes back to kind of the idea of building building a solid core of solo players who can be solo players, even if they're not playing, you know, grade two level MSRs or PROC. If they can tune themselves to a decent level and then approach the circle, that that makes it so much fucking easier overall. This email actually, I put, I wanted to get to this on purpose because I was very curious about Callum, who teaches a lot of kids, uh, and you, you've taught a lot of kids over your years, I'm sure, Andrew. But t- tuning is not a thing for you guys so much. I mean, it is. It's just different. But uh, like, what do you think of the in this guy's email, the old guy's approach of? There's definitely two schools of thoughts. There's this. There's the idea of people doing it for you forever, and then someday maybe you hopefully figure it out. And then there's the school of like learn to do it very early and be in, and then you never have to do it again, kind of thing. Like, what what do you think of this? How this happened to this guy? Um, I think it's. With experience on that, I think every individual is different um, when it comes to learning when to tune. Um, I teach really, really young pupil kids, so seven, eight, nine years old. I wouldn't expect them to learn how to tune their pipes because I think at that age it's more important to learn the techniques of playing and um, learning just the basics of playing the pipes. But I'd say once you're competent enough on the instrument, you should be able to, to, to tune it up. I know Donald McPherson, the late, great Donald McPherson, mm-hmm always used to be that was the first thing is that if you can't if you can't tune your pipes you can't play any tunes yeah, why? so uh it was always the case of be able to tune your pipes first and then from there uh play the tunes so what comes first the tuning or the egg or the tuning or the technique i guess for me yeah technique okay so then like at, you teach at dollar academy right so what are the, your kids are all the same age? What is it, seven to nine? I mean, is it all that? Age? No, no. To, to begin with, uh, they could be anything from seven till ten or so, but our age, the range that we teach is seven to eighteen. Oh, okay. So then, at what point do you transition to like expecting them to do it themselves, or at least um, to? I, I think uh, I sometimes think ex- expecting is a, a strong word. I think sometimes following um, and. Just watching is actually a better way of doing it, mm-hmm. um, especially for a, a young kid, young pupil. I think them following and watching what you're doing rather than actually taking them through the process is actually easier. So we make sure in their in their lessons that their pipes are always well tuned. They're listening to it all the time, so mm-hmm. that when it comes to that time where they're matured a little bit, they can then get an understanding of it. I think throwing a kid into the deep end straight away is a non-starter 
for okay. me personally. Oh, that's fair. Um, I think you would you would want to let the kid understand how pipes are meant to sound. And to be honest with you, people who have been playing pipes for twenty years can't even master that. It's um, it's it's quite or forty two years as we were discussing earlier. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's well, that's that's just the way of it. People have an ear for it. Some people don't, but. I think at that age, from me personally, I think they've got to listen to it and they've got to try and get it as natural as possible. Sometimes trying to work on doing that is the long way around. Rather, than, it's like marching. Mm-hmm. For me, marching, trying to get someone to march in their own private lessons, very very difficult. But if you throw them into a group together, and they all try and do it at the same time, it's actually easier because mm-hmm. they just follow their friends, or yeah. they follow the ones that are more experienced. Interesting, interesting. So there's a couple things in that, that I thought uh, I, I wanted to kind of drag drag out a little bit. One um, is the idea of when you have young students and like you don't you don't want to burden them with having a tune immediately mm. because you know it take it takes people years and years and years to really get that down. I would say, in my personal experience, uh, a good tone, good tuning is a it's a moving goalpost. Like every year you're better than the last time that you did it. And I don't know that there will ever be a point where any person who's, and you play at a higher level than any of us. So you can tell me if I'm mistaken, (laughs) but is there ever a point where you're just like, no, I've got it. I don't have to work on that. Like, I feel like, I feel like every time you get you, you know, okay, that was a really good set. That was really perfectly in tune, but I could do a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I think the basics. Yes. I think there's a, there's a point where you know I know the basics really really well, but I think the better that you get, the more refined you want to be. Sure. Um, so that process never ends. When you think you've got perfection, you look for something more. And the the other question I had is because we don't you know uh, especially in the pipe core right now we have we have a decent amount of uh, younger students doing drums, which is great because kids are great at just like you just tell them fucking do this and they, and they just do it. Mm-hmm. Thank God, like they're they're so they're so malleable. You're just like it's like no, nah, like you're doing this. I need you to do this, and they're like, oh okay. Whereas whereas with adults, it's like you're doing this. I need you to do this, and they're like, well, why? I'm like, I need don't a seventeen fu- point explanation <laughs> yeah. as to why I should yeah. do it that way. Like like <laughs> one one, I need you I need you to explain to me exactly why I should be doing it that way. Two, I need you to stop yelling and uh, inspire me to do it that way. <laughs> Three, I need you to record and write down every single step of what you just told me in the lesson I just had so that I can access it at any time so I can do it that way. Like, it drives me nuts. Or, you know, uh, right now, especially in the pipe core, we're dealing with mostly adults. And it turns into this thing of like, I need you to do this. And where a kid would do, okay, and they would do it, the adults are like, well, why? I'm like, that that word that question shouldn't be in your fucking lexicon right now, <clears throat> like because I said so. <laughs> like and then and then you become the parent that's just telling telling someone why because I said so. Well, that's not a good reason. And then you get in this whole thing of like, well, okay, why? Because you're doing it wrong. Okay, well, where can I look this up later when I'm practicing at home? And it's like you're not practicing at home. I know you're not because otherwise you wouldn't be doing this wrong. So why do you need me to create an entire library of fucking material for you to look up? <laughs> and I realize I might be getting too specific with this reference. <laughs> wow, this is going. <laughs> but it's like it's one of those things. Where I'm like, oh my god! Like, what what else can I possibly do aside from seventeen? You know, three practices a week for two hours a day, and 
all this all the technology that we have at our disposal i just think we need to say you know if you're over 32 just just fuck off you're done you're d- <laughs> well i don't know about that but uh, uh, i mean that would uh, kill our band essentially i'm just i'm just done teaching you at that point 80 90 percent of our band become, started later than they were 30 we I think did, that would kill a lot of bands yeah we yeah, need sure. to we need to become like the jedi council we are not going to take padawans <laughs> A that member are, of the Jedi Council, you that are. are that are too a old. You are not. <laughs> like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have piping students, and they're gonna approach me, and they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to learn to play." And I'm just like, "Do all these?" That'll be it. <laughs> well, I guess that brings on a good question, though: is is your approach? Well, it, it obviously must be. Well, what is the approach difference that you take from adults versus kids? And, uh, and this goes out to both of you. We haven't hit, hit Andrew on this at all, but we'll start with Callum and then we'll go to Andrew on this. I think it's the same approach, actually, in many ways. Um, it's This is not meant to sound bad, but I find <coughs> it harder to teach North Americans than I do to teach Scottish people. That's interesting. and I, um, I'm and curious why. I bet I know <laughs> why, but I'm curious. You guys think too much. Exactly correct. Um, <laughs> and, and that goes to what Josh just says. I think... Um, there has to be a reason for doing something. And there doesn't need to be. No, there doesn't. At, at the end of the day, and I always go, I use the same saying every time I teach, just follow me. Mm-hmm. Just follow me and you'll get it. It doesn't need to be, you need to go and lift your G finger up at this speed and then you're going to lift that up next. It doesn't need that. You see, if you just follow, follow something you do from when you're pretty much born. You follow people all the time. You follow what other people do, and it kind of makes sense. I think piping and sure drumming is going to be the same, but just follow someone. Follow, exactly. follow someone. Pick out someone who's better than you. Yeah. And follow them. Just follow what they do. And I still do it. Mm-hmm. I still, I still watch the likes of Stuart Little or Willie McCallum or whoever. And a lot of times I'll just, oh, I'm going to, not. It doesn't necessarily mean copy. Yeah, it is copying in many ways, but take the good in what they're doing and, well, and run with it rather than creating a tool for yourself of to course. use if you want to massively yeah. do you think do you think it's just our rebellious nature yes it's <laughs> our pig-headed nature for sure <laughs> so so when it comes to drumming do you run into the same thing because you teach cobra you teach drums in and you know in city of chicago full-time that's my job so yeah. do you what do you find when you're teaching drumming students do you find it echoes kind of Calum's experience or our experience what do you think <clears throat> um i think uh i think in drumming drumming is incredibly physical where i think piping is incredibly tonal um there there's technique to both right um but a lot of good piping comes from being able to produce good sound Absolutely, and, yeah. and and drumming uh, is more about rhythm, which is incredibly predicated on good tech, in really efficient, like smart technique. Mm-hmm. Smart technique will get you really, really far as a drummer. You can become quite a competent drummer, maybe not a really competitively successful one, or you know that kind of takes a bit more uh, drive or ambition, but you can become a very, very comp- um, competent drummer. People listen and go, ah, that's a pretty, that sounds mm-hmm. pretty good. Mm-hmm. If you nail the sort of like basics, like just good basics. And I think that's something that we all share in almost any form of music is good basics will lead to good playing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I'm probably one of the guys out there who spends a tremendous amount of time um, on 
addressing those sort of fundamental, you know, motor concerns and that kind of thing. Are you are you playing this the best way possible to make it easy to play? It should be easy. Mm-hmm. If it's easy, you'll enjoy it. If you enjoy it, you'll do it more. You know, right. yeah. um, and so a lot of it for me is trying to with the kids. It's to kind of I hit that. I hit that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I, to drink. I, I hit my I hit my mic stand. Mm-hmm. You know, with kids, you can be very playful because they are. Adults find it hard to be playful, um, just because of the nature of being an adult. Um, and I think if I can find a way to make it playful and enjoyable for an adult, and we can get them to that baby step of achievement and that baby step of achievement, it's actually quite a fun process. And then they look back two, three, five weeks previous and think, huh, I'm playing this stuff. I never thought I'd even play. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then they get that, that moment of that, that aha moment, you know, mm-hmm. and that motivates them to continue working on those things that will actually exponentially improve their playing. Mm-hmm. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. Like I feel like, I feel like maybe, maybe the secret sauce in teaching adults is like, I'm an adult. It sucks ass. Let's be real. Uh, we're all adults here. It sucks to be an adult. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's expensive. Um, but maybe if you can kind of instill that that sense of play, like oh, like if you can harken back to like, hey, like remember when you were a kid and shit was fun? This can be like that if you if you do it. But I don't I don't have the secret sauce, I think, to figure that out. I mean, I'm I'm probably well, one, I'm not a great teacher because I don't I don't have enough patience. You're a good teacher with younger people. With I'm a teacher with most people that aren't in my band. Almost <laughs> everybody that's not in my band. Like like I like I, I get I get to a point like where like I'm very I'm very from the from the surface, it like I think I think I do better than uh behind the scenes if you're like, you know, living behind my eyes. Cause I can, cause I can turn on, I can turn on the voice. I'm like, no, you got this. Like, it'll be okay. Just, you just run it one more time. No worries, man. Like just run it one more time. I'm here for you. And like in my head, I'm just screaming and I want to jump out the fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> there's, but, a, there's a thing I think that happens with adults, uh, that kids get very naturally because they're, they're already living in a world of learning. They're learning their language. They're learning motor skills. They're learning, you know, history and sciences and a smattering of this, that, and the other thing. And the one thing that if you can, if you can unlock it with an adult is vulnerability because adults are not, they're not vulnerable by nature. Well, they're not willing to be wrong. Right. That's exactly it. So if adult is, if an adult is willing to be wrong, uh, and willing to use that, that admission of, you know, it it turns into humility. Like you you need to, and with any instrument, you need to have a sense of humility. You want to turn them around and bring them back to the childlike approach um, and then take them through. It's the same reason why, like, language learning in general, um, you'll learn a language um, more effectively, more efficiently, um, and and more innately if you do it the way that you learned your primary language. Total vulnerability. We didn't know how to speak at all until we knew our, our primary language. You know, if you apply that to an instrument of any kind, pipes, drums, saxophone, whatever, you know, if you can bring that around to a vulnerability standpoint and allow, allow yourself to come at it from, I don't know anything. So I'm just going to try and see what happens. And if you can engage that, you get this state of play that's actually quite enjoyable and produces results. That makes a lot of sense. Well, this, you this, remove you remove ego from the equation, right? Well, you no try, ego. You try to. No and ego. That's super. That's the hard part. And that's what this email really stood out to me. And we've talked about it. We we do this at the dojo all the time. We talk about this kind of stuff all the time. And where people get hung up, adults especially, 
is they get so hung up in their own ego that, oh, I can't tell, hey, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm going to get it wrong, and they get hung up on, I'm going to get it wrong, that they don't try to keep going. And that's, to me, the biggest it's pitfall. Self, it's self-defeating. It's the pitfall is that they just don't keep going where they, you might have got it right if you kept going, you know, the tuning is specifically. But, but you know, um, you, you guys, yeah, I know you probably do, but do you know Lauren Cousin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lauren used to teach our band probably about 10 years ago, I'd say. Maybe he came in for a couple of seasons to work with us. And like the first thing out of the gate he he like noticed is like he said exactly what you said is like, man, Americans are so funny. Like they, they can't get off the music. They can't like just just do what I do. I have throw a, all that away. Just I I have that I when do. I'm when I'm working with the pipers and I'm like <laughs> and I'm like don't look at your music and like, do just when they do what I'm doing when they don't look at their music they just look somewhere else or close their eyes I'm like look mm-hmm. at look at my hands asshole like this is better. <laughs> I think I had a, a story of Angus McCall um, teaching. I don't I don't know if this is true. Or not. I think it would be true. Known Angus quite well, but I think he was teaching a class. I think it was actually at Kansas City, Winter Storm and. Um, someone put their hand up and goes, Angus, how do you play 2-4 marches? Like, for me, Angus is the best 2-4 march player in the world. I think he's incredible. And he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I, just, I just play it. Like, for for me, that's, that's our mentality in many ways. I, th- I think when you overthink things, it actually gets worse. Um, rather than just, just go for it. But saying that, one thing that I think, nowadays we've got great technology that we can use sometimes too much with youtube videos or or whatnot in terms of how to <laughs> all learn. the things that are surrounding us right now <laughs> no, no 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 i don't mean i mean learning um products um i think one of the best things that people can do for for for, for progress is adults especially um is short-term goals um easy goals to reach but recording themselves um, it's an easy thing. We've all got a phone. Um, it's easy to record yourself and listen back to it. You talked about three or four weeks later. Um, listen back to it. And you might actually hear a huge improvement in what you're doing. And it just needs to be short term, just small goals, achievable goals, rather than something going. I'm going to play four tunes in two weeks' time and have them all memorized. Mm-hmm. Be able to play the first line well with really good e-doublings is better than nothing. So yeah. it's listen back to it and go, oh, I can actually hear the difference. That sounds quite good. People are notoriously um, opposed to recording. Well, not you recording. Sound, not recording. You sound like shit. I know. <laughs> we, have to, we have a singing that, that, number. Callum, Callum, can you sing? Because I might need no. you to sing. No, 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 but I, I, think, I know what you're saying. I think that's a huge thing. I think people are scared to listen to themselves. Oh, I record myself all the time, but listening back, I'm like, I remember, uh, I, 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 I remember doing the first, the first time I ever done it, I remember listening back, and I thought, I was quite young, I, I've been doing this seven or eight years, I've recorded myself, and I remember first listening back, young boy, hot shot, thinking, oh, this is going to be great, and then listening back, and it was absolutely awful. <laughs> all and you can was, hear is uh, your mistakes. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then, the way, I still, I use, I practice, I record every single session I ever do in the house, and, um, the way I use it now is I always take out one thing or two two points from each tune and work on them for the next day rather than you could give you can give yourself a huge list and never get through any of them. Right. Just like a couple of points, work on them and try and improve them for the next thing. So is that your what would you be your especially for a low level player, what is your best advice for somebody to attack it doesn't even matter if it's competition or just general improvement, but 
let's say somebody's reasonably competent, they know how to play, but now they're looking to, you know, maybe they're grade four ish or whatever. Um, how should they approach their? What's the strategy to their daily, you know, their day to day that you would that you would advise? I think it all comes from the tutor. I, th- I think having a, a a tutor is the key thing for anyone, no matter where you live. I think that's a great thing with technology. Mm-hmm. Is there's no excuse. Well, there is an excuse. Money. <laughs> sure. But um, I think if you want to take your piping serious and you actually want to be good at it. There's not an excuse for that. And for me, I think the biggest thing is always listen to your instructor um, and never try and correct things that they're not talking to you about. Only ever work on the things that they are talking to you about because have faith in them. You've picked them to be your instructor. Mm -hmm. You hope that they're good enough. Uh, It's not always the case. There's a lot of people out there they teach who are not very good. But uh, I'm not looking at anyone. Uh, <laughs> and um, I think p- picking on, just working on those things, there's people that say, oh, this is not right, or this is not right, and this is not right. Forget about that. Just think about the things you're actually being taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's where you, you actually see the biggest improvements. Is that the same at your level? Like, what it, what is your day-to-day strategy for improvement? Same thing. Like I've, Willie McCallum is my instructor, but mm-hmm. I see him... He's more a mentor. I, I would say I, I see him six, seven times a year, but I would <coughs> never stop that. I will always have someone that helps me mm-hmm. along because you get into bad habits no matter how good you sure, get. Sure. You always think something's better when sometimes it's maybe not. Mm-hmm. But for me, it, yeah, it's simple things. I try and take the simple things. If you can get the simple things right, you're three quarters of the way there. Mm-hmm. That's what separates the good and the very good, I think, is mm-hmm. the basics. Um and then the very good to the superb are the ones who can do that wee bit of magic. Yeah. Um, but doing the simple things, so I just record myself, listen back, right there's two points for each tune or whatever it is, and work on them for the next day. Simple things. I don't practice for hours and hours and hours. An hour might be all I can get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I play chanter all day or pipes all day at school, but that's not practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I try and get in 45 minutes to an hour and just get straight to the point. There's no point in playing your favorite bits over and over again because it's fantastic. Get to the bits that are not very good uh, and try and improve them. So so then I, I've heard this before. I, I think Alistair said this last year when he was here. Um, but he, he mentioned, and, and most people I think do this, but putting most of their time into the small bits that are the issue. Not like don't play your tune over and over and over again. Play the, the one bar to beat measure that struggles you or whatever of course gives you a piece of well uh, i think when you get to our level our level slightly i guess it's for all levels really but there's no point in the tune being great for 95 percent of the time if there's five percent of it absolutely mints sure are not very good you actually want to that five percent will cost you yeah um so always always work on the weaknesses so so i have some questions that i'd like to kind of delve into because i feel like on this show we tend to before you get to that hold on one thing Everybody drinks. <laughs> that wasn't going to be a good segue, asshole. Hey, it was getting way too serious in here. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking yes, to your it asshole. Was a contribution <laughs> from his asshole. So, um, one of the things we do on this show often, when we're not uh, getting spanked by dominatrices or stinking up the entire room, please light a candle. This is awful. Jesus Christ! Get into this campfire right here. One of the things, but I, I feel like a lot of the time, <laughs> a lot of the time, our, our topics of discussion tend to 
sway towards uh, lower level bands, but mostly students in low, lower level bands. Like, okay, you're learning to play or you're a grade four soloist or, you know, here's your inspiration for doing slightly better at, at as, a, as, a, as a student instead of as an instructor, maybe. And more of an instructor's perspective on how to be a better student. Because I have three people here, well, two that actually are legitimate instructors. Fuck off. Uh, and I personally, because I'm a selfish bastard, and I want I want to I want to know some things that'll help me while I have you all in the same room. Um, I struggle with kind of maintaining uh, enthusiasm, maintaining the ability to want to teach people who are driving me nuts and not working at home. Not not doing the work at home every week, you know things like that. What are what are some tips that you would give not to students to be better students, but to instructors? Like what what is the what is the secret sauce? Because you're both you're both professional instructors. That is your bread and butter. For me, I work my job. Uh, I take the limited free time I have when I'm not working, and I go teach people who aren't practicing a lot except for a few cases and there there are there are always outliers so like what is your kind of advice or secret sauce for instructors who are kind of riding that struggle bus and i want to start with cobra sure uh so uh yeah there's there's definitely as an instructor you know you want all your students to succeed Right. You really want them to like desperately, not because it makes you look better as an instructor, but because the problem is you give a shit. Yeah. You want them. (laughs) You want them to feel all the good feels that you feel, you know, from your playing experience or whatever. Um, And so I think a lot of it is trying to get people to, um, uh, you know, just so there was a a little bit in some of the conversation that's been going on so far that leads me to something that I kind of sort of recently came up with. And that's, um, there's really, I mean, I think we can all agree. And I think there's been a lot of talk about, um, the difference between practice and rehearsal. Oh yeah. You know, practice is what you do at home. Rehearsal is what you do as a group. I think there's also a critical other time. And I think if you can, if you can really inspire someone either through, um, your charisma or um, just leading them down a certain path to where they develop their own want to play. I think one of the things that's lost in competitive music, which is what we all do to some level, some play for sheets. Sorry. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, you know, one of the six. Uh, but, you know, but, but you guys do that because you want feedback because you want to get better. You know, so um, but I think there still has to be um, there has to be a certain playfulness and a certain um, desire to just be a good musician. So I think as an instructor, if one of the things you can somehow do and it, and it comes down to a very personal connection between you and your student and your student, and you it's a two way street um, to develop in them or with them a desire to be a, a better musician, not just a better technician, not just better a producer of sound and rhythm and all these technical components to music, but to just to enjoy it and and somehow in that enjoyment also be improving, you know? So one of the things that I like to, to say to, to folks, whether it's a student or just 
lending advice or whatever is, you know, when you sit down to um, a session with your instrument, right? Um, are you doing it to rehearse? Are you doing it to practice? Or are you just doing it because you love it? And I think there, there needs to be a really good balance of that. I think if you're always doing it to practice, you might burn out. You might find yourself needing a wee break, you know, because you're like, ugh, I've been working on this stupid doubling or rough or flam or whatever, and it's just like, oh, I can't, you know? And you're this thing that you actually love is killing you a little bit inside, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Like if, like it's it, killing me in Fusco. <laughs> you know, if you can find this this good balance of where you're really enjoying it, but you also set aside maybe you find a good balance of, of, of knowing what the knowing what the sesh is about. Mm -hmm. Is this sesh about trying to play well with the person that I'm playing with band rehearsal or small group rehearsal or whatever drum core rehearsal, pipe section rehearsal. Um, is this sesh about nailing that thing, that rudiment, that embellishment, that tonality, that whatever, like this is, this is a work session or is this about me just playing music and trying to produce really good music and actually enjoying it? You know, this thing that I, that you've loved for however long you've loved it for me, it's my entire life. And I'm not even like, like not even like my fingernail is Scottish. Like I'm Polish and Italian by heredity, you know? Um, but I love this thing that we do. And I would, I get to days where I like, I'm just like, meh, meh, drumsticks, huh? I've... <laughs> I Off am, you go. I, <laughs> like, I, I have those days, you know? Like, we all have those days. But most days, I want to pick up my sticks either because I'm working on something or simply because I love it. So I think as a teacher, if you can inspire your students to love it or if you can just, just uh, what's the word, um, you know, like, like with a fire, if you can just fan stoke the fire. Yeah, if you can stoke the fire of their passion for the instrument. Yeah, that'll actually get you really, really far. Yeah, one of the things I've been looking yeah. at, and and I and I've tried to have this where I'm I'm a big fan of the idea, and I try this with people in the band and also people who are students. We're just like, just if you can do thirty minutes, and if you can't do thirty minutes, if you can do ten, and if you can't do ten, if you can do five, mm -hmm. and I try to tell people I was like, take sixty percent of your practice to work on things that are goals, goals and metrics. And take that last 30% and just do something fun. I don't care. Yeah. Like remind yourself that you enjoy playing the instrument by doing something fun with that other 30%. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, I find, to get people to remember that they're doing it for fun. It's still an art form. Yeah. You know, this, is, this thing that we do is still art. So Callum, you have, a different, you have kind of a different take because you have people that, I mean, you teach at a school. So you have a captive audience. You don't have adults coming sitting at the at the at my dining room table like I do, where they sit at my dining room table, tell me some fucking tale about why they haven't scheduled a rehearse, they haven't scheduled a lesson in three weeks, and also didn't practice in the meantime. Uh, do you teach a lot of adults or mostly younger students? I teach quite a lot of adults outside of school. Do you find that there's a large difference between trying to like inspire the captive audience of? school students versus the adults yeah uh it's def more difficult what do you think yeah. is the special uh, so adults are more difficult by far is there like a special sauce like what what what's the thing that is it is it just you have to know when to cut cut and run like for, you have to know when to cut them loose 
No. Um. Fuck out. Foxtrot. Did you get the Vindaloo? <laughs> I did. <laughs> get the Vindaloo pasty. I got the uh, lamb Vindaloo. Um. Maybe over here. Um. Anyway, we were talking about students. Yes, adults. Um, I think when it comes to adults, say the majority of adults you 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 would take or or um you would teach, I think are mainly and fucking (laughs) rank. It's terrible. I think adults would prefer to do it for more enjoyment rather than for <laughs> well, hold on one moment <laughs> we're going to break <laughs> oh this this episode of the chanterant podcast brought to you by the chanterant store buy all your great chanterant gear and t-shirts and even tape tops for the ladies it's a hot one out there, this world pipe band competition, so don't forget to head to chanterant.com and buy yours today. <laughs> so, um, so what was that count? So, <laughs> so adults versus, versus kids. No, I think, I think for adults, the adults that I take, there's not many of them that would do it competitively. Um, and I think for an instructor... For someone like myself, who's very competitive, uh, in pipe bands and in solos, it's very easy. Easy, and you mentioned kind of the same t- thing, but you you end up going down that route of want to always be competitive, and it needs to be better. It needs to be like this. It needs to be like that. But do you know what? It sometimes just needs to be fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can let things go. Does that Dublin need to be exactly right, or can we just? skip over that little bit and make a little bit more fun out of the tunes mm-hmm. um, and I, I find myself a lot of the time with adults who are maybe beginners or even retired people who are just want to play I just let that stuff slip by um, forget about it you're never going to fix it they're not interested as well many people who are learning at that age are not interested in that they just want to play a few, few tunes to the folk at home or to themselves and the house or whatever it is mm-hmm. they just want to play a few tunes and I think you've got to realise that and I've I, I think it's I keep bringing up people but there's Murray Henderson that says that to me once um, I can't, can't remember what piping school, school we're on but he always says Callum just go in there and just have fun with them with the older ones just let them or adults just go in there and play through a few <coughs> tunes mm-hmm. and that's what they do at home there's yeah. not many there's not that meant that I wouldn't think many of them that would go home and do right an hour. I'm going to hammer this. I'm going to make sure that every Dublin is absolutely spot on. They just want to play a few tunes, a mm-hmm. few marches, or whatever it is, some jigs, and have fun. Yeah, and I, I think okay. that's the thing we've got to remember. Well, that actually, changes my outlook significantly because I do have some older students that, and and I've always approached it from the idea of I want you to get in the band. And the more I think about it, fucking people are never going to be in the band. Like, not in a million years are they going to be in the band. So the idea of just enjoying it and... Yeah, I think you can you can work it out pretty fast with who you're, who you're teaching. Over, over the first three or four lessons, you can work it pretty fast if it's going to be for fun or if it's going to be something more serious. And mm. I think it's important when you're teaching someone as well that you let them know early on what it's, what it's going to be. Um, sometimes you've got to be honest. It's easy to take that 
x amount of dollars or pounds each week off someone but for me it's it's more than that it's got to be fair you've got to go i'm sorry but you have limitations here mm-hmm. we can make, have a lot of fun and give you all the tunes in the world that you want you're never going to be amazing at them but you're going to enjoy it you're going to have a lot of fun or you have the one that comes in and go you could be quite good i think you should go down this path and you maybe are a little bit more intense in terms of technique or musicality or phrasing or whatever it is but i think it's important for the instructor to identify that quick and let the student know rather than just pull them along and then they go to competitions and they're getting nothing for year after year after year that's well, not good for either of you, to be honest. No, it's not fun to teach. Well, it's so. not fun to teach. It's not fun for them. They're not getting what they think they exactly. are paying for. Um, they're not getting advancement, which is what you're supposed to do, or you know, because that's what they thought they're hiring an instructor for. But on the other side, it's just, um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's painful. You know, you, you meet every week and nothing's getting anywhere. And it's because you haven't collectively between instructor and student in that very important relationship, you haven't identified what's the point of all this anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, one of the things I do in a, you know, I, ref- I use a <laughs> business term for it, but that's because that's where I'm comfortable. If you're, if you're going to drop AR grams, uh, no, now no, is no. a time. <laughs> no, no, no. But like I, you can, you can plug yourself. No, it's all good. But like I use, you can plug I, yourself on the show. That's I, important. I use a concept <laughs> uh, like I use onboarding. Like when I'm onboarding a new student, one of the things that I want to know from them very clearly is what do you want? We need to like, cause we need to determine if this is going to be a good relationship you know, like if what you want is not something that I'm going to enjoy, which means I'm going to regret every moment of our lessons together, <laughs> you know, like <clears throat> I, I, I like a paycheck, but I much prefer a student who actually really loves drumming, you know, like, yes, it's important for me to pay my bills, but it's also more important for me to be able to sleep at night with a good conscience, knowing that I'm doing the things that are best for my students and that I'm encouraging them to do what's best for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a, it's critical at the, at the outset of a teacher student relationship, whether that's inside of a band, inside of an institution, you know, I taught at a school for five years at a military school for boys, um, sixth grade through, uh, high school. So six through 12, um, and, and had daily classes and all that. And, yeah, there were people that washed out after like the first term because they realized that like it just wasn't for them. And that's that's okay. It's best that we establish that before we get too far down the road and, and we're both pulling our hair out, you know? Ooh. You because you're not keeping up or you because you just you look at the sticks or, you know, the chanter sitting on the table there and you go, ah, there's that, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, I can't wait to like get one percent better. That's going to be so exciting. Well, and this this is this is a very interesting and unique panel for me to have access to the three of you because uh, I never wanted to do instruction. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't enjoy it. I do I do enjoy it from time to time, but for me, it's not it's not my profession. So it's a thing that I do outside of also just like working my ass off. And you're you're actually just a. You know, chime and in you for guys, a and, and that's and that's not like to say you're, you guys don't work your ass off. No, 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 we do, do. But like, you're in the majority. The majority of people out there teaching piping and drumming, especially in North America, especially in the United States, are doing it. I don't want to say begrudgingly, 
but they're doing it because they're like the it's best a, perf- person it's, in the organization. It's out of necessity. Contrib- yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it turns into a, a function of necessity, and I try to I try to approach it with uh, enthusiasm and gusto. Right. I also try to continuously steer uh, students towards people like you guys, who that's your your passion. Your passion is teaching, you know, like, and, and it is like teaching, teaching is a thing where if you're not passionate about it, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> like, you know, Absolutely. like, like Absolutely. I grew up, I grew up in the, I grew up in the public school system here where uh, it's 51st in the nation of only 50 states and, and no one's passionate about teaching at all. Like, I understand that about myself and I, but it, it's one of those things where I mean originally originally I took on some of the piping teaching duties because you were teaching this guy learn drums so he could teach drums right essentially because he is better at teaching well not adults you're you're great with kids adults don't I'm like you adults until they're in the band then. <laughs> until they're in the band <laughs> and then grumpy fusco oh out. then it's like oh it changes and we we had a conversation that's a flam <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like not playing that as a drag. We, we had a conversation early on in the year where I where I told you plain. I was like, "What can I do to make you not like you know kill yourself?" Uh, one of the things was I'm going to be doing drums. Can you teach all these random motherfuckers that just want to learn Amazing Grace? <clears throat> yeah, I was, yeah, I was doing a little bit of too much. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of the idiots that. And I was like, "Yeah, how hard could that be?" a year later i have like i have one student that showed up for one lesson and stole my chanter and never came back i have uh two students that i haven't seen in two months that you know like in like i have maybe one who will eventually be in the band i was like jesus christ and Class for me, he let somebody borrow a channer. Like, what are you thinking? You I let somebody. I let somebody borrow my extra channer because I'm a nice guy, and uh, it's it's gone. It's gone. gone forever. And I'm just like, I'm like, what the? F-? I'm like, I'm like, you fucking, you do this. How often during the week? I would never let somebody borrow my channel. Well, no, I mean, but I'm I'm just saying, like, how how many hours of your life have you spent listening to people that are going nowhere, and you didn't want to tell them that you should just go home and put a trash bag over your head? Like, yeah, I never do that. I I don't understand that, but I also understand that teaching is not my innate natural ability, which is fine. Different strokes for different folks. The <laughs> idea is division and specialization of labor. Right. Attack your strengths. So or with your strengths. I've held out. I've held out on it for a year. <laughs> I don't know how much more I can do. Well, I've got more coming. I've got like four or five people that have been contacting me lately about that's okay. Lessons. That's okay. And I just like let me get through the concert. We'll be in touch with you after November thirtieth. That's we'll okay. Go. I have a plan for that, but you're not gonna like it. But I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> I've got a I've got a plan for you that he is given. Well, he's we've talked about a little bit since he's been here. They can go to joshmckeckern.com slash dojo <laughs> and get a dollar off their premium. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, dude? This is Channer and not Josh's show. <laughs> so we have a question. It's not, it's not even that I want the kickback. It's just that I don't want to have to fucking sit down and do less. <laughs> hey, that's cool. So I have a question from the audience. We asked our uh, live stream for some questions and somebody wrote in and asked, this is for Callum, unless Andrew, you're welcome to answer if you want to, but... Um, what is your preferred pipe bag? One that's airtight. Um, <laughs> that's a good answer. Bridgestone. <laughs> um, preferred. Um, 
Well, what I use just now is I use a Canmore bag for for solos and for band I use a sheepskin. Um, if I could, I would always play sheepskin, mm-hmm. um, but I'm too wet a blower to um, allow me to use sheepskin solos. Um, <coughs> and I think for sheepskin, it just has that little bit extra harmonic to it. Um, it's yeah, just it's just a little bit broader in the chanter. Uh, where I think with the synthetic, it kind of kills that a little bit. Um, but it still works really, really well. I think a lot of the top pipers in the world now, you couldn't tell the difference between if they're playing a sheepskin bag or if they're playing a, a synthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the better you get, you would start to pick it out. But I don't think there's much difference now. Um, and for me, when I'm competing, I want to be able to play a 18-minute long pee and. I want to get to the end without my pipes going crazily out of tune. Mm-hmm. So right. you've got to take all that into consideration. So, uh, yeah, so cheap skin for the band. and So is it easier, band. like in a solo, when you're playing an 18-minute P-Brock, then you got to get to the end. Is it, is a high, uh, I'm sorry, not hybrid, but a fake bag versus a sheepskin or, you know, leather skin, whatever you want to call it, better for that, generally speaking? Yeah. Yeah, is um, it because of the stuff you can put inside? Well, like, so a, yeah, a synthetic bag's still a bag. A fake bag would be a sleeve, because it's faking being a bag. Well, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. No, I, th- I think <laughs> w- w- with the the the, the Canmore, I use the Canmore hybrid bag. I think it's called. But with that, yeah, you can put a moisture control system in it. Um, the one, the last thing you want to do is play a eighteen minute long tune, knowing that your pipes are going to go out after twelve minutes. Right. Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. So if you can eliminate that issue and put something in the pipes that you know they're going to last for that length of time, do it. Is that generally how it's done at the high levels at this point, like the Glenfiddich and things of that level? Yeah, I'd say there's only two or three pipers left at the very high level that still use sheepskin bags. And I would slit, let's say there's maybe one piper that plays still cane. Oh, wow. (laughs) So it does happen. You can still do it. But I think technology, in a good way, again, is... um, has helped improve the synthetic setup. Mm. Now, Heineke, do you have a preference on your pipe bag? <laughs> well, we actually have a question <coughs> we for do. Heineke from the audience. Well, before we get to that, let me follow up that question then. Is Because uh, <laughs> we got we to gotta go back and forth. You can't just well, keep I gotta say, hammering the, the, la- the last time I played an actual bagpipe uh, would be about 22 years ago. Um I learned pipes uh, as a follow-up to uh, tenor, followed by bass, followed by snare, then pipes, and then drum major. And pipes was just sort of like an exploration to try and become a better... Have you ever considered learning an instrument that would get you paid? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like piano or guitar or uh, trombone? Oh, like real money. Yeah, anything. Real money. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately uh. not. <laughs> uh, so the last pipe that I put on my shoulder was a was a cowhide. It was an L and M bag. Um, I wouldn't know the difference. I can I can sort of tell the difference in the sound of the bands that I play with, um, and in judging because I'm an ensemble judge, so I do listen to intonation and all that kind of thing. Um, I actually have a lot but. of questions for you regarding ensemble judging, but we'll we'll get to that in sure. just a moment. Uh, one one member of the audience has a question. Yeah, uh, Josh asks, Hoinicky, how about them bears?" <laughs> uh, I think the bears play sports. <laughs> 
they play sports uh, in, <laughs> in the city where I live. <laughs> um, I think they play the sport with the long brown oblong ball. So, so they so far they haven't gotten knocked out twice. <laughs> I don't what? know. <laughs> I, I, I don't even. Josh doesn't even know what he's talking about. I know. <laughs> I know zero about sports. Uh, I like going to certain sportsing matches. Uh, <laughs> sports ball. Yeah. Sports ball games. Yeah, yeah. I like them to do the thing and win the points. I've, uh, I've been known to cheer team at sports ball game. I will I will definitely cheer for team at the sports ball game and eat nachos, hot dogs, and drink beer. So uh, if it's But my band is actually the City of Chicago Pipe Band is is uh, in a business partnership with the Chicago White Sox. So uh, we play on their behalfs for certain functions, and we actually have we played at the stadium about two months ago. That's cool. Yeah, we have some new question from the audience. Uh, Fuko, why don't you pick your favorite? Oh, an actual good question. Okay, a good question is for Cobra and Callum. Just delete the ones that aren't good ones. What was your highest high and lowest low in piping and drumming? Uh, we're gonna start with Cobra. Highest high and lowest low. Um, highest high would be, um, God, you know, for, for two very, very different reasons, um, a tie. Okay. So, uh, the, one of the tie would be, uh, winning the drumming in the qualifier for the world in 2012 with LA Scots, um, before it went to, uh all play system uh that was when you had to qualify and then advance to play against the rest of the bands that had already qualified right, right, right. um but in the qualifier oh you're talking about the perpetual premier uh north american pipe man um <laughs> but that was it was a really it was a really 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 hotly contested year um and on the drumming side um graham brown's peel core that was when graham was still leading peel uh, and um, Mick O'Neill's Fife Core, um, Adi Hoy's um, Kalibaki Core, very, 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 very dangerously good drum cores, and others I'm sure I'm forgetting to mention, but like it was a really, really tough qualifier, and for us to come out um, so well in, in the drumming and make it to the finals with that is probably uh, a career high for me. Um, and then in terms of a personal high, like just like, oh my gosh, this just happened. Uh, and it was through lots and lots and lots of hard work of, of people who are truly friends and, and basically family. You were invited to the Celtic Thanksgiving concert. <laughs> That's it right there. That's it. I came back to the stage at the, uh, at the Clark County library. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Or it might have been actually. Uh, it might have Wait, been. Wait, there's a there's a there's a higher high. There's a higher high you have. Um, you know, uh, just totally not self-serving, but sort of um, on a very very personal level. Um, and this is weird to say because it was it's in three A, which is which is three A, right? Like as compared to like what I had done with L A. and it's higher one. than I play. <laughs> okay, but like, um, and a lot of people ask me, they're like, "Oh, why do you play with a?" I mean, you, you could play and wherever, like you could play with X, Y, Z band, name the bands. Um, and you're playing, you're leading a grade three band from Chicago, but it's like, it's home. They're my best friends. 
and it's a team of people that I truly love playing with, and I'm I'm really enjoying the process of building that band, you know, and that group and and everything, and playing with literally some of my best friends in the world. And when we qualified for the, it was the first time a band called City of Chicago ever went to the Worlds. It was 2018. The band was 16 years old or 15 years old, um, and we took the band to the Worlds, which was an undertaking of its own. Uh, and our goal, our goal was to qualify and then just see what happens. We had people who had never played outside a grade four circle until that year, you know, or maybe the year before. But like to qualify for the three A finals um, was a banner achievement for the organization and for the people within that and and the challenge that we had set ourselves upon. Um, and I remember like seeing our name come up on the screen at you know the obelisk in Glasgow Green. And screaming with almost the same ferocity as I had when we did well in in 12 with LA in grade one, you know, um, it was just, yeah. So I would say those are, those are my two highs for personal reasons and competitive reasons together, you know, it's awesome, man. Um, yeah. lows, uh, well, let's have Callum go too high. You can think oh, about oh, yeah. low for a second. Yeah. I'll think about it. You can, you, you can think about your lows while yeah. Callum gives us some highs. Which which of the times you won the Metro Cup was your high? <laughs> <laughs> which the gold seventh, medal was the best? The first, the fifteenth, which time? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, the first one, obviously, the first one. Well, well, I mean, like, like, because you you gotta think like a, a personal high is personal, right? Yeah, like, what was most? What was like the thing that I mean, like when you were a kid growing uh, up? No, like, no, no, ah, that, that's the thing I want to play in. That's the one that I want to no, win. You know what? The the biggest high and. This might sound soppy or, or whatnot. But one of the, the the biggest high that I've ever had in piping mm-hmm. is actually not me being playing. Really? Um, what is it? It's my school band. We we we've got two bands at school. We've got a juvenile band who are a very successful band, mm-hmm. um, and we've got the band below that, which is a band that I take. So Matt Wilson takes a juvenile band, and I take the novice band. But it was two year last year. Um, that's I've been at school five years now. And last year, we managed to win the Grand Slam. Uh, my novice band won the Grand Slam of majors, including the Worlds. Um, and for me, that's not taking any any of that success, but to watch a group of youngsters at an extremely young age being able to be consistent over five major championships mm-hmm. and win all of them, for me, is the highest point in my career so far. Um, taking away all my personal accolades or whatnot doesn't really even come into it um for me that was something that i'll always remember and if i get more of a buzz out that than i do actually do well myself um so for me that is by far the highest point in my piping career oh interesting so that's an important point to be made to any ladies at well never mind he's engaged but But he he has no interest in his own satisfaction. He's, <laughs> so his his love language is uh, acts of service. Yes, he uh, has to give his hobbit given. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as long as someone else wins, then then he's happy. I, I, yeah, I, I can recognize that. that. Game that. game recognize game, my dude. Either of you have a low in your in your minds? Um, yeah, who's the first one to get their their career low? Because I know my career low. Like, we'll we'll do ours after they do theirs. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I think there's always minor lows. I, I've never had a, a a real major low in piping. Um, I think you always 
get to a, a, that fence that you'd find hard to jump. Um, so, yeah, there's there's always bit simple, small things, but I'm never, for me personally, I've never really had a low where it's really hit me. I think uh, liar. Okay, Cobra, <laughs> <laughs> you're up. Okay. <laughs> um, I can think of a couple of occasions um, in my mid to late teens, going into my very very early twenties. Um, you know, considering I've been doing this for math uh, like thirty four years. Um, yeah, I know, right? It's crazy at forty ish. Yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna say you look. I'm about to say you look oh, good. No, I'll say what I am. I'm 41. I've you, you look good, boy. I'm 41. I've been playing since I was six. You know, um, and oh, no wonder you look worse because you're older now. <laughs> By a, like a, a couple of year or two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, there were times, uh, and this is interesting because now looking back as an adult with different sort of a range of emotions or awareness, um, there were definitely times. Um, in, in my early in my first band I grew up in one band organization as a, as a lot of people do traditionally speaking you end up spending a lot of time with your first band and they never and you never escape <laughs> well if you live in the same town and there's one just, band you know, it just it just locks you in <laughs> and no matter what you never get out me back in <laughs> um, but you know I grew up in one organization for about 17 years um, and towards the end of that there was just some there was a lot of disappointment, but as an adult, I can look back at that and think that it was maybe me setting up wanting something that wasn't necessarily possible because of the collective, where that organization was at that moment with the people who were in the circle. So because of the culture. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was way deeper than me or whatever, but like, um, there were some times when I walked off the field, um, in, specifically the 99 and 2000 seasons which left which led to me leaving my first band actually um and uh i would say that there are lows for two reasons one because i was really disappointed with how we did at the time so they were a low at the moment that they occurred because i thought God, we should have been better than that, or we should have gotten placed higher, or had we cut so and so, we would have been X percent better, or whatever. And it's just this little just getting piece. inside your head, yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah, the demon. And, the well, and especially like when you're yeah. when you're when you're 22, you know, and you're just like, I want to conquer the world, you know, like oh, here we go, you know, like I'm just like I'm I'm just at the precipice of the of what I feel like is like the beginning of my real career. Like I've gotten all through these amateur years and now I'm ready to dominate, you know, and I'm in a group where not realizing that you don't know how much you still don't know. Well, there's that a hundred percent. There's a hundred percent that, um, but you also react with your age. Um, and so I think looking back on it now, um, literally the same number of years later as I had been playing at that point, that was the halfway <laughs> to now, you know, um, and and, and, look, and you still have at least one, uh, two more years I've ahead got, of you I've before you least, drop dead. I've got easily. at least <laughs> five or six months of playing left <laughs> um, at, the, at the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's in retrospect a low because of how 
we didn't really meet maybe our own expectations or my my wishes. But in hindsight, it's a low because of uh, looking back how I reacted at the time and you know how I've matured since to understanding how growth works, how organizations work, how the interpersonal things of a band that has been around. Well, at that time, it was like 30, I think we were 35 years old, the band as an organization. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this sort of stagnation that it can kind of occur and all sorts of other stuff. But like looking back on it now as a mature adult, inferring that I'm sometimes mature. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. Yeah. So well, that, you're I, looking, it's a low because I'm looking back and thinking, I wish I hadn't felt that way. You, you wish but you, you wish you hadn't, you wish you hadn't been a 22 year old when you were a 22 year old. Right. Which you can't you change. Know? I wish the band had done better. Uh, and, a, I w- and I wish for myself that I hadn't created that much. That was not me. <laughs> Who was but, that? Callum. That was Callum. <laughs> oh, my God. Drink, boys. Finally, I guess, challenges me. Finally, I have a challenger. There's a, that was very subtle. Not really. <laughs> it shook the floor. I noticed everybody looked at me when it happened. There's a... There's way to, a way to cut the tension though. It's good. I was being great, very emotional. No, no, no. Moment. I actually appreciate that. There's a great there's a great poet. Uh his name is Buddy Wakefield, who I like, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm gonna get this wrong. But he has a bit where he talks about how um uh being alive has been a fairly humiliating experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, like sure. unless then, you're Callum Beaumont. Like <laughs> like once you once you come to terms to the fact that the person you were literally seven days ago was a piece of shit compared to who you are now. And it's hard. It's hard to realize, but I do, I do feel that where it's like, Oh my God, like the things I thought were so important. Yeah. Aren't aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of things to follow up on one Callum, a question from the audience is this, it's actually a question from big rab. Big rab wants me to ask you, you avoided him at uh, piping live apparently this year, and he's he's like, "Hey man, what the fuck?" It's because he didn't want to be in front of a microphone. I avoided him. That's what he said. He said, "Callum Beaumont avoided me at the at the at the piping live this year." Who's Big Rob? Perfect answer. Shots fired. Perfect answer. We don't need to go any further with that. But actually, this is in this is another question by somebody else that's actually interesting. What's the hardest thing you had to overcome in your piping career? Mm. Or has it all been roses for no, you so far? No, not at all. Um, I, th- I think everyone would say pressure. Um, I, w- I hate talking about myself, but I was... Um, quite successful young mm-hmm. um and i think in doing so there's always uh, there always has been an expectation mm-hmm. to to perform at a high standard all the time sure. um and i try my best not to think that because sometimes it's not true but sometimes you, you do feel that and you i think in yourself you put extra pressure on yourself so for me that's probably one of the biggest things that i've 
uh, had to overcome with uh, piping. Was it harder younger? Have you gotten used to it at this point? Your, I mean, the expectations uh, must still be high. Expectations are higher. Uh, the more successful you get, mm-hmm. um, people talk about all weird things, records or yeah, yeah. what, whatever. And it's something I try to avoid thinking about at sure. all. Um, but yeah, you always get asked the questions about those sort of things, so it always comes up. But um, for me, it's, it's, it's try not to allow that to be part of it. Um, and I think, going off topic slightly, I think the older you get, um, and even being quite successful, I think it's important not to think about the competition as a competition anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my competition, yeah, I would love to win all the prizes in the world many times because I'm a competitive piper. It's only natural, but for me, I think it's, I only want to better my last performance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the pressure that I put on myself. Um, I want to just better that. If I can do that, I'd be quite happy. Mm. Um, it, rather than thinking about the 20 other people you're competing against, you can't really deal with them. Um, I actually hope they'll play really well. Yeah. I think that's the respect that needs to be there when you get to that level of piping um, or anything really you've got to have respect um, so for me the the best way that I can channel my pressure or my performance is actually going right just beat the, what you've done the last time um, mm. it doesn't happen a lot um, sometimes it does you get in a little streak but uh, for me that's one of the biggest things that I try and do mm-hmm. does that apply to pool as well? Well, <laughs> I'm just waiting on the rematch. <laughs> so, so Morning, uh, can you have an answer to that as well? No. And and can you can you repeat the question in your answer? Yes. Uh, the question was, what is the hardest thing you had to overcome as a in in your <coughs> career as a drummer? I guess would say as I'm assuming that's your guts. Yeah. <laughs> um. It is a it's a good question. I'm not <laughs> gurgling over there. Yeah, <laughs> he's 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 beating he's beating uh, his body is difficultly uh, beating hantavirus right now. Yeah. So <laughs> just, just let it ride. Um. Uh, well, you know, I if we're talking about individual play, you know, um, I've always I struggled with even into even into older. You know, I was in my. 20 like late 20s or 30s or whatever uh and i was still sort of struggling with um you know uh is this what is good enough or is this what people want or is this what's hip and trendy um and then counter counterbalancing that with uh, what i feel is a more important question and it led me to a certain answer of my own is uh is this me um and uh, a few years ago, um, around about 2012 or 13, I made the decision to stop soloing because I realized that the trend in solos is not something I wanted to do. It's not a, it's not a, a positive or negative statement. It's just an observation that the direction that successful solo drummers, solo snare drummers were going at that moment um, and I would argue that that's actually changed since. I would very much argue that that has changed. This year's Worlds, in my opinion, is one of the most dynamic 
an interesting world championships in years. Solo years. championships, yeah, the solo. And for those for those of you who aren't familiar, Just when he says worlds, he's talking about the Philip Worlds, the Philip Worlds championship. No, 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 it's no, the, no, it's the Philip Worlds World Snare Drum Championships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Philip K. Worlds, right? Yeah. Snare Drum, yeah, yeah. different, <laughs> different Philip Worlds. Uh, it's Robert Worlds. It's his uncle. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but no, uh, it's the Gaylord <laughs> Worlds Snare Drumming <laughs> Championships. There were just several years in there where I was like, I don't really like what's going on. I'm not enjoying this. And I made the decision just to stop. Um, and, you know, listening to this year's Worlds, um, Stephen McWhorter is, uh, with the exception of the medleys that Josh had to fix. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey he, fi- he fixed the medley. Hey, they won, I guess. He must oh, have right. Steven, I've got a stick order for you soon. Uh, <laughs> we play the McWhorters, Texas. Um, but, uh, he, he's going to come on the show. He just doesn't uh, know it yet. Steven is unbelievable. He's unbelievable. You, by the but, way, does anybody know that Callum works with Steven on our daily basis? <laughs> yeah, I found Callum, that out yeah. today. <laughs> he's gonna, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> he's going to come on the show eventually. He's like, oh, man. But like, on top of that, like... Uh, Gareth McLees uh, from Phil Marshall, previously shot, playing mm-hmm. the new British Drum Company drum, it was unbelievable. And 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 Mikey McKenna, uh, Blair Brown, and and a, a Jake Jorgensen, a bunch of these guys in the top uh, of this year's solo uh, event. It was, I have to it I have was, to bleep all those names anyway because they're not patrons. Right, so oh, sorry, just, yeah, sorry guys. Just um, bleep 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 bleep. But bleep. like it was, it and was, also bleep. I listen to the worlds every year uh, from when. Uh, Gus Sicard used to per, uh, put them up on Gus that Web. Son of a bitch, Gus. Beats me <laughs> yeah, in the beard. Best beard every that. year, that <laughs> cunt. <laughs> Gus, you're a cunt. Fusco. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Let's ring the cunt bell because oh, Fusco yeah. called someone a cunt. I actually like Gus, but he's got a better beard. What am I going to fucking do? He beats me every goddamn year. You hey, Fusco, if you want to buy me a plane ticket, I'll hold him down and shave his beard. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I like it. Do it. You gotta buy me. You gotta buy me a t- plane ticket to the world. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so I would say um, one of the biggest uh, things that I've overcome, that I've had to overcome, is just is, or sort of, sort of spots to is realize that I didn't want to necessarily do what was expected, and so I just stopped doing it, and that I was perfectly okay with that because I had gotten into a sort of an adult mental position to say, you know, I don't want to do what I, what's expected, and and it's irrelevant. I'm not saying I should have been good enough to, you know, win or anything. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying not trying to make any assumptions here, but trust me, if you start jerking yourself <laughs> off on the show, sure. we'll tell you. Yeah, you'll let me know. Yeah, um, no, or you're fine, just, man. or you'll just show it to all the patrons. Um, but <laughs> that's an extra ten. Uh, yeah. It's an extra ten. Dollars. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it'll go up on the uh, Pornhub <laughs> channel. Uh, Pornhub.com <laughs> slash channerant. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would. Yeah. I think uh, one of the hardest things to overcome is just personal expectation and trying to accept whether or not it's the right time to go with the norm or to serve myself. And I chose to serve myself in the end. And so I can't, I overcame it that way, but that was a low is like thinking, I, I just don't like the way this is going and feeling really, um, really shitty about it for a while and, and trying, you know, trying to adapt my yeah. playing and feeling even shittier. Um, and then eventually saying, um, a word I don't usually use in public, although I use it in private pr- fairly often. Fuck it, you know. This is for me. Yeah. Um, and then since then it's been better. But that was a low. There was a couple of years there where I thought, "Why am I doing this? I this is not this is not fun anymore." 
So I want to I want to turn the loaded gun on uh, my co-host here. What are what are your what what is your high and low of piping? Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't see this coming. I know. <laughs> well, as high was winning at pool against Callum Beaumont. That was oh absolutely. It's <laughs> the greatest thing ever. Fixed. Had nothing to do with piping. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's r- slightly related to piping. <sighs> Highest high and lowest low. Don't don't overextend your voice because I already realized that we're fucked for the acapella bit tomorrow. So <clears throat> I offered mm. to stand in, but he sings the high parts, and <laughs> you know, you, you had that sweet baritone register like I do. Yeah, I think some of the highest the the highest high generally. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You sound like shit. It's so terrible, man. <laughs> just, sorry, <It's>, just don't <laughs> think about it. Is getting uh, <laughs> exposure. And being in the room, I, we talked about it a little bit last week, but being in the room with certain players, certain amazing players, which in Vegas we don't have the opportunity to have this happen often, and probably Chicago as well. And in fucking in Scotland, it's like a dime a dozen apparently. Because, and I want to bring this up to you a little bit, um, is that like to be in a room when Stuart Little was playing and Alistair, Gil- or not Alistair, Gil- Alistair Henderson, like we've had these guys out here and yeah. like just sitting there and listening to them live. Like okay, so one of the most amazing moments of my life was we have we have the benefit of geography. Yeah, was that the year we brought Stuart Little out to play, and he's by far my most favorite piper of all time. Sorry, Calm. No, no, well, he's he's working. His way out. <laughs> we'll we'll see how this weekend goes. But <laughs> but anyway, like I brought him to Eric's firehouse to warm up because he needed. I don't even remember why we brought him there. He wanted to play his pipes a little bit or whatever. So, and I was just sitting in the room because I had nowhere else to go, and we had this little office. It was a little captain's office, and he was just. He was just jamming, getting his pipes going. And I'm just fucking sitting there. I'm like, I'm sitting in the goddamn room with Stuart Little right now while he's just warming up. And it was the greatest fucking thing I've ever felt in my life. Um, <laughs> and it was and it was just him warming up. It's not him playing at the Glenvidic and at his top. It's just him jamming. And it was phenomenal. And then, like, we got chatting a little bit. And I'm like, you know, like, have you ever... And I don't know if he was like this, and I can't remember how this went down. But I said, you know, Stuart, like, there's there's guys out there, um, like, and you're one of the, you're the one of the you're the guy for me. Where like I would listen to people's CDs because back in the early two thousands when I learned piping, um, <laughs> there it is. Um, like I would listen to CDs with S S of U and S and he was on it, and I'd be like, listen to what he's playing. I'm like, fuck, I want to play like that, and then I would like transcribe what he was playing and try to figure it out and it was terrible but i would literally write it down and listen to it slow motion and transcribe it and try to figure it out and that that was influential to me like that was a big deal but are you are you going to be able to execute that when you play your solo tomorrow no (laughs) dude i'm lucky to we'll see how i play we'll see if i play tomorrow but man what if yeah so i've been working on i have a Stuart little set that i call it you didn't. You didn't go get the shot. I told you to get either. No, I did not. I called Ken, but I. Not everything's been worked out yet. But anyway. So anyway, that that he, was. Is he coming? Me. Ken's coming. Yeah. Tell I, him to bring the thing. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Emulation is the greatest form of flattery. Oh, I I yeah. agree. Like tell I, tell him if he can bring a catalog <laughs> shot, I'll give it to you on site. So I'm the, not licensed to do that, by the way. No, that's fine. So there's a couple he, tunes he's done over the years that have like made me feel that way. So. That was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Was we just got lucky enough to bring him in that year and all that kind of thing. So what was your lowest low? 
<laughs> There's so many. <laughs> Let's see. Um, which competition was it? Remember that one in Flagstaff where I fucking walked off? <laughs> like I was going to... All right, so we got done with the competition. We marched back out of the circle, <laughs> and I just fucking left. That would have been like that would that would have been a couple of years ago. This was four years ago, maybe. Maybe I don't know what it was. <laughs> you just you just turned heel and marched off. It was yeah. like if I say anything, everything's over. <laughs> so I'm out. <clears throat> but um, no, I mean, who knows? There's so many lows. <laughs> who fuck knows? Um, who knows which one's lowest? There's so many lows. Uh, my my highest high easily was uh, marching onto the field at the worlds okay with with Bally Breeze onto the field or like which like world championships which part uh we're going into play competition part yeah okay. that that was it like that was my highest high i think i've ever had in bagpiping i love that shit i was dying at the time It'd be pretty rough if, if his highest high was marching onto the march past. <laughs> I was, that's what I was thinking. Was just, man, I just really loved marching in with yeah, no, 310 no, like, other bands. And it, it, it was so funny because like, we've, we've told this we've told this on the show before, but I had a I had like a severely sprained ankle at the time, and I was on cheap ass piece of shit UK medicine, which wasn't wasn't doing the job. But I remember I remember. Uh, <laughs> our host, his girlfriend came up to me and being like, are you okay, Josh? You look a bit pale. I'm like, I'm in an incredible amount of pain right now, but I'm still going to play. <laughs> and I marched out on a fucking busted ass ankle into the circle. Didn't fuck up. I, I did fuck up Port Rush, but I didn't fuck up this time. And I was, I was so happy to be there. I was just like, oh my God, all this shit that I've been doing for all this time has got me to this point where I'm playing with people I like I'm surrounded by friends. I'm in this weird, wet, damp fucking country. It's super fun. I'm playing music that's hard. I enjoy this. That was my that was my high. That was my happy point. My lowest low would probably be uh what last year's Celtic Thanksgiving when uh Jack pulled me on stage to play at the after party and I was oh, <laughs> that was <terrible. laughs> and I was I was shit faced and he played absolutely awful and I said no he's like no come up and I was like no and he's like come up and play I was like no I don't want to and he's like no come up I was like okay and then like my pipes weren't there he had what his pipes and your pipes and then I tried to play your pipes and I couldn't because I just blew all the drones out immediately because I one was drunk and two your pipes are too easy and so it's like it's just me it's just me on stage with a person who I consider to be a piping icon of mine. Uh, and I am just sounding like a service band bag of hammered assholes. <laughs> it was so bad. It was the worst performance. I, I think wish it, we had video of this. It was the worst performance I think I've ever done. Uh, and I should have just been more stern when I said no. <laughs> Cause I said no like four times. It's like, I don't want to do it. He's like, come on. I was like, no, I was like, come on. I was like, no, it's just been like, nope, nope, because because right. that was That's that was okay. hours after I had considered. Okay, I, like nothing's happened. I don't have to play anymore. I can, I can tie one on. So I have one follow up question before maybe we're heading to the end of this thing here. It relates to Callum, <clears throat> in relation to what I was talking about, and it has to do with sort of sort of a little bit about inspiration and. Things you get to hear, I get to I got to hear Stuart on CDs at the time back then. That's how I would do it, but now it's become YouTube for the most part. And obviously, we're doing this whole thing on YouTube, and there's been such a blow up of like 
<clears throat> posting performances on YouTube and all that sort of thing, which gives people like us exposure to people like you, obviously. Um, but you had mentioned, we were talking privately previous to this about how, you know, like, um, performances in Scotland, this is what blew my mind. For example, is like, like Stuart Little was a huge deal to me. And when, and when people come out here and they play our concert and there's 400 people in the audience, we were talking about how like over in Scotland, it's way different nowadays, right? Like when you guys do a recital, it's it's nothing like it used to be, right? Is that correct? It's not. No, no, it's not the same at all. Um, and I, yeah, I've played in front of crowds where there's twelve people turn up. Right. Um, or I've seen other people turn up. I, I think I've done a, a recital with Angus McCall in the piping centre, a fairly central part of Scotland, and a really healthy piping community. And I reckon there was twenty people at it. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I feel that YouTube's fantastic for you guys. Right. That you get the, the, the opportunity to, um, or, or the piping world's so much closer to you now. It's, it's you, you can listen to it whenever you want, but it's killing piping. Um, and I, I think in terms of, um, even from a recital point of view, um, CDs are no longer a thing either, right enough. Right. But yeah, not at all. where I, I think the creativity's going, um, I, I don't think there's as much of that now as, as there was because there's no need for it. Recitals are a, a dying breed mm-hmm. um, in Scotland. Um, all, only times I ever do recitals if I come across the North America, Australia, or, or anywhere except Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe if it's any consolation, CDs have been dying since '99. Like yeah. Right. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, that's fine, but there's, there, there's, but I think you could go that far back to to see that that even the creativity. Stuart's an idol of mine as well. Someone I've always looked up to, I've been very close to, in the piping world, um, and he's been one of a handful at the very most who's still had creativity and wanted to to do something. Gordon Walker was always amazing at that as well. Mm-hmm. Angus McCall, uh, Alistair Gillis. Mm-hmm. too um, and there's a few others but I, I i think even my generation it's a part of piping that we don't really try much to do with uh, or, or, or do much with i should say um we're, we're very much looking at playing six msrs and six beavers and six hornpipe and jigs and not being creative enough so for me that's a, a side of piping that unfortunately is um a dime breed of, of, of such it's it's no longer what it needs to be um, why do you think that is though internet like uh, that you think the, you think youtube for example and the streaming and exposure to all course. this is a bad thing to a certain extent yes um i think it's I, I mentioned before it's great for you guys sure um but i think for for your top top papers it's it's very very difficult for them to to. You think to, people to, would rather stay home and just watch because they have so many options. Absolutely. Like you were meant you said it in a certain way earlier where you're like, I could go, I'm gonna go look up Stuart Little or whoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what you guys are thinking. I could just type them in and I type them in the internet and I see all these YouTube links, mm-hmm. or I could go to their live show or I could just watch the YouTube. Well, links, that's right? it. Yeah, they just, yeah. All the recitals are through the winter. Right. Um. So it's a cold night, 
you can't be bored to listen to Stuart playing Slayers, but you want to listen to him play his fast thunderstruck or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. YouTube, I listen to that. That's it. Great, I'm satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one recital a year in Scotland that does well, and that's the week of piping live at the Alistair Gillis Memorial, um, where you have four pipers all play for half an hour each, and for me that's the highlight of highlight of the year for me. I've played. I've played at the last two or three of them now, and that's been my highlight. Um, you that's open formerly up. the Lord Todd correct? But it's that's also correct, yeah. it's also it's also down it's down in numbers. No, that's that's sold out every year. Not at all. It's right. a, that it's actually that's the one that it's, it's sold out. There's 450, 500 people at it. Every do you ever year do you ever like and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree on the idea that uh, that streaming and recording is is making it worse because. The people who aren't going to come aren't going to come. Whether they can watch it or can't watch it doesn't matter. You know, like but, like I, if it if it was ten minutes away from my house <coughs> and streamed on YouTube, I would still go watch it in person. It's a different experience. I think yeah. you would. Can yeah. I, can you. I, uh, just a sort of outside observation is it maybe a matter of, and this is sort of just listen to what what Callum was saying. <clears throat> is it maybe a fact that like now you can fast forward through stuff that maybe in the moment isn't appealing for whatever reason whereas in a sort of more traditional sense you would have heard everything that was being presented whether you liked it or not you would have decided that later i i put but the now burden there's sort of a push button like you go eh, i don't really like uh, i don't feel like a pee brick right now you know, i click, i click, put click, the burden click. i put the burden on the event okay yeah. For me, like I put the burden on the event and the event organizers. I mean, there's there's a specific reason that our concert that we're doing tomorrow isn't just half hour of piping followed by a half hour of dancing. That we try to break it up. We try well, to I, I we try to we try to make it I, a little bit different. Another another thing is it's a very crowded market in Scotland. Um, we probably could perform at competing wise and all that. We probably playing 12 13 times a year so people are getting the chance to hear us every month if they want which Here, i would i would like but <laughs> but then again you get sick of it you, you, you do get sick of it even if it is your top top players you, you do get sick of it here you you listen to this weekend or you see here the odd performance and you've got enough time to recharge the batteries to go right i'm ready to listen to it again we're in scotland it's just relentless there's so much going on. Do you think they could? Do you think they could uh, succeed by creating more scarcity if they if they just didn't do it as much? They could do, but it, 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 I think it goes down the, the risk of uh, tradition in terms of our, our some competitions that have been around for a long time um, no longer being there. Um, but you gotta, you gotta keep in mind tradition. Tradition is the idea that you're subscribing to the voices of people who've been dead for of 100 years of course no you're, you're absolutely right but i think um we're, we're, some of our older generation that that played in these competitions are still around um so for us to do that just now would wouldn't be the best thing but then you could say well the next generation i'm going to say the same thing and and, and so on but i would feel quite strongly about these competitions uh being around rather than than, than losing them um I think it's just the way it is. I, I genuinely do. I think, um, I, I really do. You may disagree, but I really do think YouTube for me is is um, a huge part of uh, of the way we are with piping. For you guys, it's, as I say, it's fantastic. 
you don't hear much live piping. Um, that's why you're keen to listen to it. If someone comes into town, you're you're keen to listen to it. I've seen it myself. There's sometimes I've uh, Fred Morrison's another piper I absolutely love mm. going to watch. For me, he's the best entertainer. Um, he is my he's, 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 yeah. he probably is my favorite. He's the most redneck piper. I love him. To <laughs> <laughs> but he is he is he is an entertainer. Uh, Stuart's an entertainer, but. While also still being very technically exactly. amazing. Do you yeah. do you think that there's do you think there's a midpoint that can be achieved between oversaturating the market with every fucking month we play and also kind of a little bit of deference to realizing that people the, people can be oversaturated and also it it helps the entire community to kind of have yeah, access of, to the of music. Of, of course, I think um, our season's so long. We we we're, we're play from pretty much from Kansas City in January all the way through to the first week in November. We're probably going at it non-stop through that time. So you're actually only getting six, seven weeks off a year. Um, and if someone asks you to do a recital in that time, this is a, a, a different occasion. This is the chance for us to come somewhere really nice and, and do something. But it's hard work. It's hard work. And do you really want to play in a cold hall in front of whatever it is at that time of year in Scotland. No, you don't. Do you want to go and listen to that after listening to these people through the, the year? I don't think you want to. I would, I, I probably wouldn't, I'd probably be the same. I'd, I'd like, great Piper, but I'm sick of it just now. It's the, the season is, for me, way too long. Um, I, and the demand... That, that's, the, been, the, that's been the thing I've heard from a lot of people that are playing in the UK. Well, and if you compare that to here, piping-wise, we have... I've been sitting here sort of trying to count them. And I'm a, I'm a pipe lo- piping-loving drummer. I mean, West Coast, where <coughs> maybe eight active months. But like, but look at the, the major, major, major events where people can listen to truly world-class playing. Three. Three. <laughs> yeah. Three is what, I, what I've come up with. Kansas City, mm-hmm. uh, Seattle, the Benaroya Hall, mm-hmm. uh, Celtic Arts Foundation with Sky Rickenriffer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Metro Cup mm-hmm. yep. are probably the three most magnificent piping events in North America, and that's it. That's not to say that there aren't others, but like other events. Mm-hmm. But those are where you get a chance to hear the best of the best of the best of the moment every year. Well, and I'm interested you know? to see what you think about this after tomorrow, because like, yeah, like here, <laughs> there are people lining up. <laughs> there are people lining up to watch you two play. Man. I mean, and the bands included. Like, there, there's, there's a specific reason that we. I mean, we could. Jesus Christ! Sorry, this is getting really serious. <laughs> like, <Wow>. there's. <laughs> when there's a, it? there's a, there's a, there's a reason that we bring out, like, you know, people of y'all's caliber, and we don't do it for the audience because the audience doesn't fucking know the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's if if you and guys. if you and Zach or me and Bryce played in front of that same fucking audience, they wouldn't know that we're not as good as these two. But they would know there's a difference. They wouldn't know why. It's but like boring. when these two come, one of my one of my favorite metaphors is like every time we have like when Alistair comes, when uh, Jack comes, when Stuart came, when you're here, when you're here. Yeah, I'm gonna have to relight this stick. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite moments is when the soloists are playing, the people we brought in, we the people we paid to come from far away to come and play this show, and all of the 
band members are in the wings watching just like the audience is watching and that is the moment where i'm like like people i can see people get a little more inspired a little more excited (laughs) why'd you have to do that right before i was dropping an emotional point i'm trying to be very respectful of josh's emotion at this moment because he's hitting a great and you guys will see it it you guys will you guys will see it like when you when you guys play uh there will be you'll see a lot of blue kills in the wings where you can't where they're the audience can't see them and they're all watching and that is the the whole point was bringing people every time we have a guest player it's not for the audience it's for the band it's for us it's for us to hang out, meet people, <laughs> listen to better playing. Don't think we'll be around tomorrow. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go light this again because Fusco is rotten inside. Dude, I've been rotten for a week. I've just been stirring. Fusco, come up with an out. Um, <laughs> I, I was just gonna agree with you. Oh wait, hold on. I got an out. <laughs> Ring the bell. Oh yeah. Sorry, we got to drink to that. I was just going to agree with you. The whole point of having the Callum Beaumonts of the world to our event, and they're Andrew Hornickies now. No, we added a drummer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's pretty awful, right? <laughs> Is the inspiration of our own players. That's inspiring, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you making it's the end of the Definitely moving me oh, inside. God. Oh my god. My insides have been moving. Oh, you oh can my hear god. them on the microphone. <laughs> gurgling and sputtering. For the last three Jesus hours. Christ. Hey, you know, um what am I gonna do? Yeah. I am what I am. <laughs> Alright, so um we're we're nearing the end of the episode. I gotta go around the table doing last thoughts. I'm gonna skip Fusco because as soon as I say last thoughts, he's just gonna shit his pants again. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this this episode has gone kind of through the gamut. We've talked a lot about uh, the piping scene. I got there's so much more I want to ask you guys, but we gotta we gotta close off the episode. We talked about the piping scene when it comes to uh, highs and lows, when it comes to what's right, what's wrong. Um, you know, digital media, uh, how to be a good instructor, how to be a good student. I'm gonna go counterclockwise on final thoughts, uh, Callum. Starting with you, what are your final thoughts to wrap up this episode? As Gary West says on Pipeline, enjoy your piping. <laughs> Fair play. He, he's struggling to breathe. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cobra, what you got? Yeah, that's I, the words that I was going to say were find your joy and use that as motivation. Whether it's to improve or simply to play more because you love this instrument for whatever reason, but you love it and, and just do more of it and try and, and get a little bit of something out of each of each of those times. Yeah. That's absolutely critical is, is truly loving what you're doing and you will get better because of that one way or another. Fair point. Um, Fusco, I regret this immediately, but what are your final (laughs) thoughts? <laughs> and don't that, cough on your own mic asshole <laughs> you're just gonna make yourself sick again you can take that to the bank all right my final thoughts would be thank you very much to our guests uh <laughs> cobra all the way from the city of chicago pipe band mr Colin beaumont i'm very excited to uh share the stage 
with both of you tomorrow. Thank you so much for putting up with our nonsense this entire evening. Yeah, it's been amazing. And uh, yeah, we're gonna you know we're gonna close out this episode. Fusco, I think we should have the boys play us out because well, I don't know why not. Yeah, no, okay, cool. It? Yeah, uh, I could say you, I could, I was gonna say Fusco play us out, but I knew you just shit your pants again. Yeah, and that, that chair, that chair can only take so much. <laughs> so, uh, Josh, when you're editing this later, play us out. <laughs>